0: your news program every morning with up to the minute news and extensive analysis of issues from Korea and abroad this morning with Alex Jensen on TBS efm
1: it's 7:38 a shadow is being cast over the world yet again and it's taking the form of china's economy debt Weak demand, overcapacity, a falling currency. Let's uh, bring in Gordon Chang, the author of The Coming Collapse of China, on the line. Good morning to you from Seoul.
0: Good morning. Thank you so much.
1: The way I just described it, it certainly sounds like everything's lined up for a collapse. But when you wrote your book back in 2001, and I know you've had to face this question before, uh, you predicted China's collapse in a decade. Is it now happening or is that still too premature
0: i think it actually is happening because essentially the chinese postponed a failure of their economy really with enormous amounts of debt they started that at the end of 2008 so they were able to create growth um, but they did it through extraordinary measures and now essentially that reckoning is occurring so for instance in the five years after 2008 they created an amount of credit that was essentially equal to the entire u.s banking system even though at the end of 2008, their economy was less than a third the size of America's. So, yes, they did create growth, but they also created the imbalances. And now they've got to face the unwinding of those imbalances and they also have to face the debt crisis because they're creating debt so much faster than they're creating gross domestic product.
1: Do you think that's why it didn't happen within a decade, the fact that uh, they undertook those measures that spurred the economy on for a bit longer than you Had anticipated?
0: Yeah, there were a couple of reasons why. Um, That clearly, I think, is the most important. Also, um, I think that countries around the world, and I I thought that they would actually hold China to its promises that it made when it joined the World Trade Organization, um, but they actually didn't. Um, and so China I think got a free ride um, and that actually helped uh, the economy through what otherwise would have been a very difficult patch. But I think the most important thing is the creation of debt um, because they did mortgage their future so that they were able to postpone um, what would have occurred to China, which occurred to most other countries around the world and that was a severe downturn.
1: Looking at current conditions, the local currency depreciated 1.6 percent in May, and is at its weakest level against the dollar in more than five years. What exactly is going on there?
0: I think that there is now a lack of confidence in the Chinese economy. Um, And also, there is real concern about the infighting at the top of the Communist Party. So there are the political concerns added to the economic ones. Um, Right now, um, I think that essentially um, the Chinese people, for the most part, see that there are really no way out of this. And so, you know, they believe that the renminbi will depreciate. And I think that they're right about that. Mm-hmm. So there has been a rush out of the RMB. Last year, there was $1 trillion of net capital outflow, according to Bloomberg. Um, and that really is an indication that uh, the Chinese people think that their economy will trend down over the long term.
1: Well, you talked about political infighting as well. Even China's own state-run People's Daily has warned of risks that could lead to a systemic financial crisis, to directly quote, negative economic growth and even wipe out ordinary people's savings. Is that alarmist?
0: um, No, I think that that's absolutely... First of all, you are not going to see alarmist things in People's Daily. You wouldn't have thought so. Self-described Communist Party mouthpiece. And actually is the most authoritative publication in China. Um, What's going on there is you have a political struggle between Xi Jinping, the ruler of China, plus uh, against uh, Li Ka-cheng, who is the premier and therefore normally would be considered the economic czar. These two men are not getting along. And we saw that at the National People's Congress meeting at the beginning of March, when throughout uh, Li's work report, Xi Jinping did not clap once. Uh, and that was just extraordinary.
1: Let's look at some of the global effects of this. Where will we most prominently feel the pinch here? Will it be the United States? Will it be neighboring countries like ourselves here in South Korea?
0: Well, certainly, you know, every country will feel it, but the United States, I think, will be a net beneficiary. We've seen so much in the way of Chinese capital find its way into the American economy, much of its flight capital, but also it's a vote of confidence in the U.S. The countries that are really going to get hurt are, for instance, yours, Australia, Taiwan, Hong Kong, um, Malaysia, because, you know, a number of countries have tied their economy very closely to China, um, thinking that this was just a one-way ticket upwards. I think it was wrong policy, and these countries are going to feel it the most because they really have very little in the way of being able to adjust in a severe downturn. You know, as I said, no country is going to do really well, but um, there's some countries that are going to do better than others. And eventually you will find capital coming out of China to a number of destinations, and those destination countries over the long term will benefit.
1: Is there anything that, you know, you would advise South Korea to do in the... Meantime, either with regard to its U.S. policy or or attitude towards other countries, to help mitigate the the fallout.
0: Yeah, I I don't think that there's really enough time for South Korea to take steps that would substantially alleviate the problems, um, because I see like an eighteen-month to year time frame. But, you know, it's very interesting, Taiwan, uh, under its new president Tsai Ing-wen, is trying to develop trade relations with nations other than China because of theirs, a political reason, but also an economic one, because they feel that they've become just much too dependent on China. And they've actually suffered uh, over the last, what, year or two years Mm. because of this over-dependence. South Korea, I think, is going to have to try to scramble, like everybody else is, to develop other markets and those other markets could very well be India or whatever. But the point is that um, China is going to be the drag on the South Korean economy, and it's going to be sharp. And I think it's going to be severely felt uh, for quite some
1: time. Yeah, just an irresistible market for the last few years has China been for us here in South Korea. For North Korea, it's been not just uh, a favorable market, but actually uh, a required one, uh, even if sanctions may be starting to bite now as far as pyongyang's concerned can can you see this again coming back to the politics meets economics thing can can you see this having a a real political effect in the region Uh, if china's struggling obviously it's going to be less able to to support and to balance regional stability
0: well yes i think you're gonna see a number of things so for instance um you're gonna see countries that would normally line up with china on um, strategic issues such as the South China Sea or East China Sea are going to start to go their own way because they can see that uh, China can no longer provide the benefits that they thought would be there. Um, So I think there'll be a new consensus on the South China Sea, um, for instance. Um, You will see um, your country, for instance, um, be much less accommodative to China. You know, uh, your president, Park Gong-hei, last September went to Beijing for the 70th anniversary parade, which unsettled a number of countries, including the United States. I don't think we're going to see that type of behavior anymore um, going forward when China's problems become more evident. And North Korea is in definite trouble because their economy is so closely tied to China, so dependent on Chinese aid and assistance, that without that aid and assistance, North Korea is probably going to have to open up and reform, which is going to be very difficult for a closed system.
1: I mean, this all sounds so inevitable. Is there nothing that China itself can do to structurally reform or or take some other radical measure?
0: China, I think, has passed the point of no return. You know, uh, the one thing that could save the Chinese economy in the long term, of course, is structural reform. That is politically impossible. But even if it were possible, A structural reform would certainly erode growth rates um, and drive the country into contraction. And so uh, the short-term effect, and by that I mean over the next two or three years or four years maybe even, would be very negative for the Chinese economy. Chinese leaders aren't willing to do that. There's no political consensus in Beijing to do that. In fact, there's very strong opposition from state enterprises and others um, against reform. So this is not something that China can do. And so, therefore, I don't think it's going to happen, which means, essentially, this is... They can drag this out, they can delay it, as they've done in the past, but they can't avoid it.
1: And are we going to see a little shockwave come this summer, when and if the United States hikes up that interest rate again?
0: Um, It's probably not going to happen this month. It was a very bad jobs report that people would be talking about if they weren't so consumed by the American election um so i don't see these federal reserve uh, increasing rates this month but eventually that will occur and that will trigger problems um for the renminbi um because you know the renminbi has actually stabilized but that's only because the federal reserve was not increasing rates but when they get around to actually increasing rates which is what they should have been doing a long time ago when they get around to doing that, there will be accelerated outflow out of China, and that is going to be felt, of course, around the region.
1: Mr. Chang, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. Great to have you on the line. Gordon Chang, the author of The Coming Collapse of China, originally published back in 2001. Our email is open to you, efm this morning at gmail.com.